Arizona Common Ground is about exploring issues from a public health perspective. While recording and listening to this podcast, I hope to create an environment where we can challenge ourselves to listen intently, think openly, debate intelligently, and care endlessly. So thank you for listening in. Support for AZ Common Ground comes from the Western Region Public Health Training Center at the University of Arizona. Hi there, welcome to Arizona Common Ground. Today we will be speaking with Senator Bradley from LD10 in Tucson, Arizona. And he's gonna walk us through Senate Bill 1264, Arizona Community Schools Pilot Program. This is a bill he shepherded through the legislative session in 2019. Through this journey, we will learn about the modern day four horsemen, poverty, violence, substance abuse, and mental illness. He says that constantly when he runs into issues, he sees those modern day horsemen. I hope that during this episode, you listen to Senator Bradley's philosophy on working with others and the many mechanisms in which to find common ground. As this is the last episode of the season, we will describe what the end of the legislative session looks like, what sleep deprivation does at this point in time after you've been up for multiple hours and multiple days, what high stress levels can do to legislators and how we make decisions. And we discuss an actual example of 31 and 16. We live through what signy die is and the end of the legislation. And more than anything, it reminds us not to give up. So listen in, keep your mind open, and I hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Will Humble. I'm Deb Gullet. I'm Cherie Stone. This is Lucha. You are listening to AZ Common Ground. Most of us, when asked, have a very similar views about healthcare. We want it to be affordable and accessible. The controversy comes around how do we make that happen? Welcome to Arizona Common Ground. This is Krista, your host. We are recording from the Western Region Public Health Training Center here in Tucson, Arizona. And I'm so excited to have Senator Bradley with me. And I thank you so much. Can you please introduce yourself for us? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm Dave Bradley. I'm currently the state senator from District 10 here in Tucson. I've been in the legislature for, this is my 15th year. And, wow, that's um, incredible. And my current role is minority leader of the state senate. My background is child welfare and behavioral health. I've been in that field for about 40 years, roughly, as a therapist, as a program administrator. I was an administrator of a psychiatric hospital. I ran a child welfare agency for about 20 years and then spent the last few years while I'm in the legislature as in development uh, at a larger agency uh, here in Tucson. Uh, so I, you know, personally, I have four kids and eight grandkids and uh, congratulations. <laughs> I spent eight years in the Navy. So I, prior to all that uh, and grew up in Phoenix for the most part uh, and have been in Tucson since 1980. So I don't know if that covers... I think the, that makes you a Tucsonan. Yeah, it's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming and spending time sure. with us. I My thought pleasure. I'm looking forward to speaking with you, especially in this last episode where we're discussing and doing the best we can to understand how the budget realm works. And, and when we're looking at how the bill passes, we're almost at the last end. Mm. And so that's where we're talking. We're trying to figure out... We just learned in the previous interview how the system kind of works and how it's not just one bill, how there's multiple bills that mm-hmm. create are part of burbs, and then how that plays a role. So then when you vote, you're not just voting on one thing. It's almost like a million things packed into mm-hmm. one. And so I was hoping you could help us digest that a bit mm-hmm. through some of the work that you did this past legislative sure. session. And I mentioned it before, but I'm going to bring it up again for our guests because I was reading it and I was fascinated. And something that we were told before is if we have an idea that we are passionate about and we want to see it become a reality, it's almost like we have to figure out where the funding is coming from before we even pitch the idea. Mm -hmm. And that's really difficult, of course. But we did learn that usually through pilot programs, that is a good way of showing, hey, this is something that was you know, tried, executed, and it showed these type of results. We think mm-hmm. if we expand it to greater Arizona, these could be the benefits, but it's almost like doing that proofread beforehand and hopefully having that help smooth sail the process. So having said that, can we talk about um, SB 1264, which is the Arizona Community Schools pilot program? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's a bill that i been proposing to the legislature for about four years, somewhere in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it, it, the community schools is not a new concept at all. It's been uh, kind of in play throughout the country for the last 
20 plus years probably. In some communities, it is uh, so entrenched. For instance, some of the New York school districts hire a community schools director at the same time they hire a principal, and, and they're equal kind of authority in the school system. The, the premise of community schools is that, you know, and I try to make it as simple as I can. Oddly enough, you cannot teach children who are not present. I don't know why that is. Uh, it's a mystery to me. A mystery <laughs> if to me. they're not there. <laughs> if they're not there, they're really hard to teach. Yes. <laughs> um, and so there, there's a, a plethora of reasons why kids can't, don't, won't uh, show up to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of one of the uh, little trick questions that I ask people sometimes is, gee, what's the leading cause or reason for kids missing school? So people struggle with various things. They were say, you know, hypothesize various things. But the answer is tooth decay. And it's oral, decay. oral health is the answer. Oh <laughs> uh, so having access to a dentist improves school attendance. Voila. So wow. that's just one thing. Yeah. So that's what's, you know, we can walk through the other the challenges, particularly in poor areas uh, where you know parental support may be more difficult based on one's socioeconomic conditions and mm-hmm. engaging in the school and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, behavioral health issues, if you are, you know, and we, what we know about brain development is that it, it starts intra-womb and goes from there. And what we've learned about trauma uh, and its effect on the brain, mm-hmm. um, that a child who witnesses abuse doesn't even have to be physically or, or abused themselves directly, but watches it happen when they're little, has a different brain than a child who hasn't seen that. Um, and so there's all these factors that come into play, you know, oral health being one, behavioral health issues, mental health issues, uh, genetic issues obviously come mm-hmm. into play, uh, socioeconomic conditions, you know, poverty, violence, substance abuse, and mental illness, which I refer to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you oh. know, the, four, the, new, the modern day four horsemen. Uh, they all, very well said. They, they all wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. on our schools and our kids. You know, my background is child welfare and behavioral health. Um, and so I've been working with kids in the foster care system for many, many years and kids who are, who show up in the juvenile justice or the mental health systems, and sometimes all three. Um, and so, you know, when I um, came over, I was in the house for eight years and was in, on health all those years. I didn't get an education until I came over to the Senate uh, back in 2013, I guess it was. And guess who I found in the school system? The same characters, the wow. same people. The, you know, there, there they are again. You know, so, you know, the, in the evolution of the, of the problems in Arizona, you know, the, we were hit very hard by the recession in 2008. Mm-hmm. And we cut off services up front. And we, those of us who knew what the ramifications of that would be, basically said, you're going to pay the piper. And the piper came back. And when he came back, he brought his four best buddies, the four horsemen, and they wrecked havoc. And so the number of kids in the child welfare system doubled in about three years' time because we wow. cut off the front end of service prevention. So the same principle applies in yes. schools. Huh. Is you know, doesn't it make sense to get ahead of a problem as opposed to waiting for it to manifest itself? So once a kid starts missing school, mm-hmm. we know that the trajectory of their, their lives begins to deteriorate accordingly. So if it's an oral health issue, if I, you know, who do you think about when you have a toothache? Now, while you have that toothache, let's do some math. Oh, uh, oh, by the way, let's have you cooperate in school. Let's have you, you know. Yeah. And so, hey, my tooth hurts. I'm getting the heck out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And the kid doesn't maybe necessarily articulate that. No, but that, yeah, but that's what they're that, thinking. That, like, no that, way, Jose. <laughs> I'm out of here. So, you know, and, and since when those absences start, that's when we know they start to miss things. So even if their oral health issues are addressed, maybe at some point, and they come back, but now they're three months, three weeks, you know, whatever, behind, and they get made fun of, blah, 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 you know. And so, Bullying. you know, all those things oh, come into man. play. So, you know, it's a, it's a domino effect. Yes. And so, and it doesn't have to be necessarily an oral health issue. It's just that absenteeism, whatever the cause is, you know, we know that the trajectory of kids who miss school, then by the time they get to middle school, they're so far behind, it's get me out of here. If they do stumble their way through that, they oftentimes don't show up in high school. Sometimes the eighth grade graduation of about a fifth of the population is the last graduation they will ever attend. Wow. So, you know, the goal of community schools yeah. is to address all the many factors that come into play on this issue of attending school. You know, I put it crudely is keep the butts in the seats. You know, one's butt keep must be in a seat. Yeah, <laughs> and presumably present. when your butt's there, the rest of you is there. Uh, and so, <laughs> it's a better so, way to educate them right, than when right, they're not there. Yeah. Right. Um, 
So that's the goal. So um, the notion that we actually need a pilot in Arizona is is pretty, you know, I, I, I would assert that we don't really need one. But the only way to get it communicated to my colleagues in the legislature is, as opposed to trying to do some full-blown program mm-hmm. that I think would pay for itself in short order, let's do a pilot to prove it. So and this so, was a strategy. Yeah, it's a strategy to, a, to get the notion uh, understood by... A member. So, you know, over the years, I was able to get it through committee. At one point, I couldn't get it to the Senate floor because the Senate president at the time refused to hear it. I never really got him to tell me why he wouldn't hear it, but I think he thought it was a communist plot oh, or man. something that we were going to bring to schools the things the parents should be doing and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, if your parents in jail, it gets tough to be able to do that. But um, oh, uh, let's you know, let's talk about other things. You That's know, so, <laughs> so oh, uh, this year I was able to get it through the Senate. Um, basically the same proposal, which in the proposal is basically three pilot projects. One, and the thought was one in Pima, one in Tucson, and one rural. Uh, you know, that's minuscule as to what there is. I've had uh, some foundations in Phoenix uh, funded an assessment of community schools in Arizona currently. So okay. they exist in some form. The dilemma that all of them have is sustaining funding, is having wow. a person in the school whose main, this is their job, is to bring resource to the school, to bring oral health services, to bring behavioral health services, to bring job services, to bring, help people sign up for Medicaid or, or food stamps or whatever yeah. to sustain them because it's their mobility. You know, even in, the, in TUSD, the mobility, there's a school right down the street here that if you looked at the attendance of the third grade class mm-hmm. on day one, and compared it with the attendance of who is in those seats on the end of school, nearly two-thirds of the kids have gone. No way. And each one of those seats may have turned over two and three times. So, wow. you know, when when you have that kind of mobility, when poverty is, t- you know, when people should go to a, sign up for an apartment, they get one month free, for instance, if they sign up for six months. Well, yeah. six months comes, out they go. And they go find another place, and it doesn't happen to be near the school that the kid was attending. So those are all factors. What community yeah. schools is trying to do is try to attend to a, a plethora of issues. Yeah. Uh, Break no, down barriers. Yeah, there's no simple model. Mm-hmm. Every school's community school's effort could be could look a little different depending on where they are, depending on what their what needs, the needs are, are, are of, of, that, yeah, that, of that community. So that's what the part of the process was, is to get uh, an assessment by, by the school to say, hey, what is it we need? Typically, it's having at least one person whose sole job is to find these resources. It's not to create new resources. It's not to make a new program. It's not to say, hey, we need mental health services. Let's go hire a counselor. No, it's to go, what's available in our community? Who is doing this kind of work? How can we bring them to the school, give them space to operate out of? There are school. There's a school in Phoenix that actually has a, a dental facility in its in, in the school. In the so, premise? Yeah, on the premises. Wow. So I mean, that's an example of yeah. of some efforts that have happened. So, the notion of the bill is just to get people to be aware of everything that's going on, plus resolving the funding problem for three schools for three years and say, "Gee, let's evaluate what its effect is," mm-hmm. and with the sole goal of keeping a, the butt in the seat as the measurable objective (laughs) on the premise that doing so will increase test scores and all the other things that people are demanding of schools Mm -hmm. um, if those other needs are being met. So um, that's where that's that's, and the gist of the bill. Yeah, that is that, <laughs> it's a, it's a long-winded answer. But. No, I, I I appreciate it. And when I was reading, I thought, okay, you know, this kind of goes with what we were told before. And I was like, well, a pilot program. And like we were mentioning before, a lot of, like you mentioned, programs or projects or what what you may want to call them, they would pay for themselves. And you can literally do you know analysis and see, and you can measure these outcomes. Mm-hmm. And to some of us, when we're not in Phoenix, it seems like no-brainers. Like you mentioned, you know, there's all these factors, and if you just address one, it might still not stick. You need all mm-hmm. these different factors to be addressed and to work together. But then I thought, okay, it's a pilot program. Is that how we should usually take it? But then after hearing what you're saying, do you think you can walk us through how this played out for you this past legislative session? Sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this last yeah. legislative session was yeah. a little nuts. Yeah. Let me preface. It was a long session. or Yeah, both, both long, long and, and intense in the last parts of it. So, yeah, you know, as a premise, one must, in order to operate in this, uh, in the legislature, 
my suggestion to people who come in uh, is to operate on the premise of good intent, is that everybody who's elected ran for office for a host of reasons. Mm -hmm. And some of those reasons, you know, may not sit well with myself or somebody else, uh, you know, a person who has determined that God has sent them to run for office to stop abortions, for instance. You know, there, there are people who that's their main reason for running for office. They get elected to the office. And so to step back and assume good intent sometimes is, is not the easiest thing no, to do. Very but difficult. what I would suggest is that taking the other route is to assume that there's some nefarious going on mm-hmm. takes you down a path from which you can never escape. You can never get off that train. And once you get on it, it's very, very difficult to get off. If you're always going to question somebody's intent about everything, then everybody's everybody becomes the enemy or, or that person becomes the enemy and you're trying to figure out, oh, they're trying to trick me now, <laughs> whatever. No, I so, love <laughs> that you said that. that is, yeah. And that's what I was told when I first started because when I saw legislators that when I was up there this past um, session – Everyone was working so hard, and what you said is so important is expecting the best out of people because mm. it's only by doing that can we actually maybe get those colors out too. Yeah, sure. So you know, and it, just, it doesn't mean you're naive to mm-hmm. uh, you know what people may or may not be doing, but to spend your time trying to figure out the mystery is, in my mind, a waste of time. So you know, the use of the word common ground is essential in order to get anywhere. You can't get the higher ground till you get to common ground. So in order to get the common ground, you know, you have to come out of the underground. Ah. And the underground <laughs> is fraught with all kinds of mysteries. And so you can spend your time in the underground trying to dig your way out because you are the only person who knows that everybody's intent is whether this, that, or the other thing. It's a trap. You'll, you'll keep digging. You're going to keep sinking. You're never going to get the common ground. To get the common ground, I'm going to assume good intent. And so the way that I have tried to do that in my career is that it is rare. You know, you've heard the expression, it takes a village to raise the child. I have always believed in the reverse, that it takes a child to raise the village, meaning that once people see that children are having a problem or an issue, it is a strange human being who will ignore that. I mean, if somebody sees a child suffering, the, our, our instinct is to do something. I mean, if, if, you're, if, if that is not there, then you're looking probably at a sociopath and you probably do something need to get wrong. away yeah, as fast as you can. Right. <laughs> but typically, mm-hmm. my, you know, no matter what, what somebody's background is, is, if a child is suffering, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to let it go. So that's been my premise of operating since I've been in the legislature. So trying to find common ground for me has always been, let's talk about how this affects kids. So I can get anything back to kids, health care, education, transportation, water, uh, (laughs) utilities, and and you name it. (laughs) And I can get it back to kids in three or four questions. You know, it doesn't, it's not that hard to do. Um, And so my suggestion for many people is find that common ground topic and then do your best to assume good intent and to engage people. So over the course of my career, I've been able to get very, very, you know, I, I don't use the term conservative as a pejorative, as a, as a criticism of somebody. When somebody uses that term about themselves, my question to them is, what is it you're trying to conserve and how can I help you? So it's like, so where... <laughs> where I love it. I'm mind, that's so genius. You know, mind blowing. So, so simple. You know, where, what is it? What value? What, you know, yeah. what's important to you? Okay. You know, whatever, the, whatever that is. What's driving this yeah. word conservative? That, okay. For you. Yeah. And, it, you know, for it's going back to old, to old this or old that. So what mm-hmm. is that? And how do you define it? How would you recognize it? And what do you, what are its parameters? And all that kind of stuff. Get people to think about their use of terms. So, you know, I don't know what liberal means. I guess people think of me as a liberal. I, if they need to do that, that's fine. You know, the, the, a liberal in, uh, if you go back philosophically, a liberal was a, is what would people now call conservatives. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. So what I try to do is find common ground. What What's working? What how, how What's the role of government in this situation? And there often, we often, there's often a difference. There's a perception or belief that, hey, the, a conservative approach is to have minimal government involvement. Okay, so with that approach, are you going to help or deal with this problem of children in this, whatever the issue is, yep. suffering or being, having a, a, you know, something 
prejudiced against them. Yeah, being in this condition, what are we going to do about it? And so if government doesn't necessarily have to play the major role, but how do we deal with it? So help me out. (laughs) I love the framing. It's true because you're saying, okay, well, then then what do we do? Yeah. And so, you know, oftentimes, you know, the conclusion that we come to is that either we seem to have a power when we do things together, oddly enough. The, the more independent we operate, the more difficult it usually becomes. So yes. government's role for me is like, okay, we're <laughs> – is a way for saying we as a community recognize this problem. We as a community are, are not going to turn our backs we as a community are going to seek resource. Well, where is it? Well, uh, philanthropy. Okay, fine. Let's go chase philanthropy. How long does that last? How much is that money? You know, people say, well, gee, the, you know, the churches should be doing this, or the, the religious organization should be doing this. If you took the budget of the child welfare system and took every religious fa- uh, facility or organization and, and entity, church, synagogue, mo- mosque. In the state of Arizona, each one of them would have to contribute somewhere between fifty to $100,000 a piece to even get to halfway uh, to providing for the services that the, uh, the Department of Economic yeah. Security provides. So wow. that doesn't yeah. seem to be the Feasible. right avenue. No. <laughs> Although if that were to happen, that would be great and then we would use those resources, but we would still have an enormous problem. So now what do we do? Oh. There's this thing called taxation. <laughs> and taxes, as I think it's all run to homes, taxes are the price we pay for civility. So if civility includes taking care of kids and we see the need, now what do we do? It's just, you know, you just follow the trail. Yeah. Oh, and lo and behold. Yeah, you wait for the light bulb moment. Lo and behold, gee, if we hit everybody up for five cents, we can solve this problem. You know, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the number's not so much germane at this point. but No, yeah, no, I, that yeah, makes sense, yeah. though, the idea. But, so Understood. that's the whole notion. So that I, that's the premise for which you try to operate, and it's hard to do this. It's hard not to go after intent. It's hard, especially when people are dishonest and don't tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Mm. And you're, it's a tendency to attack, a tendency to fight back. Okay, you know, the hell with them, I'm going to... I don't want to treat them like they treat me. Okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and when you get on the train, yeah, like you hard. said, you start digging your own <laughs> hole, and you're underground again. Yeah. And there goes common ground. There goes common and ground. And you're never getting higher ground. And so, you know, in the end of the session, it doesn't always bring out the best in us. You know, I'm reading this book, Brain Rules, and I would advise everybody to read that book. It's a fascinating book. Uh, I met the author the other day and uh, at a conference in Washington. What is it called? Brain, Brain Rules. Brain Rules. Um, and he just talks about, I'm forgetting his name, unfortunately, but, you know, he's talking about the, uh, the development of the brain and what affects how it's affected by so many different things and how we end up being the way we are. And one of the things he talks about is sleep deprivation and how it's effect on people and how, you know, um, all the things. My eyes are getting big because (laughs) I am thinking about all the legislators that I saw at the end and everyone was so exhausted. And so sleep deprived. Yeah, you're, what he, he's done research for years and years and years, and repeated the research, and has proven it over yeah. and over again that sleep deprivation affects judgment significantly. The front, the front part of the brain, when sleep deprivation hits, that's when your judgment goes out the window. And he, there's been ex- zillion experiments proving it over and over and over again. So, oh. what do we do in the legislature when at the end of the session? <sighs> We get sleep deprived because we spend their 18, 20 hour days. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you go home, you wake up at two in the morning and go, oh, what about this? I yeah, forgot, I forgot something. I forgot something. I forgot, or you you, know. your phone is ringing because something yeah. happened and you have to get back to the Capitol. And what he's proved, the, the brain rules guy has proved that, you know, the purpose of sleep is not to rest <laughs> necessarily because your brain never shuts down. But what your brain does when you're sleeping is help resolve the issues that have been presented to you during the course of the day. And it reviews sometimes a thousand times, you know, and you're not conscious of it mm-hmm. uh, over and over and over again the solution or the issues that you are facing. And oftentimes you'll wake up with, ah, hey, that's what I got to do. <laughs> and the reason that that's happening is your brain has not gone to sleep and said, you know, night, night, uh, see you in the morning. Uh, it was working hard. It, it was working all night long, typing away. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, there it is. It was doing this Google search and all night long. So, ah, I found it. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so, but what we do in a, let's say, a session is we promptly ignore that rule and 
So, and that's not the staff. It's not just the members. It's the staff included. And we try to produce at the end of game, at the end of the day, a budget, which is the main reason we are sent to the legislature to begin with. All the other things that are fluff. The only real, our only mission, our only directive from the Constitution is come up with a budget by June 30th. <laughs> yep. Everything else is superfluous in this, in a, in a broad sense. I don't mean no, to say no, that, I understand. You know, those are not important things that come up for us. But anyway. So um, that's was the environment that we set up over and over and over again, and this time was a little more contentious than before. Um, being in the minority the entire time, it's it's hard. It's hard to figure out how to make this work, how to get people to common ground, because there is capricious application of uh, many things. Science doesn't seem to have standing at times. Logic mm-hmm. doesn't have standing. It's because somebody is only is projecting their personal experience onto everyone else, drafts legislation to accommodate it in some mm-hmm. way, and we end up spending hours and hours and days and days on kind of crazy stuff, you know, whether it's guns or what, you know, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter in some ways, but really quick for our listeners, quick reminder, when we talk about minority and majority, all we're talking about is who's holding um, most members in each. So on the Democrat side or the Republican side. So when we say minorities right now in Arizona, we have a minority, which means there's less Democrats. And then, so that's why we're saying that the Democrats minorities and the majorities are Republicans, but that's all that's meant just so you understand. Yeah. Go ahead. And the Republicans have been a majority since 1964 or so in the legislature with a couple of exceptions. This session, we, because of issues that were brought up by individual Republican members, they teamed up with the 13 Democrats in the Senate and basically, for all practical purposes, shut the Senate down in terms of being able to achieve anything. Because in order to get something out of the Senate, it takes 16 votes. 15 is not good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we were a team, you know, for a long period of time. And there were attempts to knock us off um, from each other. And, Individually with Senator Carter, individually with Senator Boyer, and then with me leading uh, the 13 Democrats. So, and there, you know, when the feeling was things were going on and they were not getting anywhere with Senator Boyer, Senator Carter, they came to me and said, gee, what is it you want? And if you will abandon them, we'll get you this, this, and that. And my response to oh, wow. my response to that was, it was a line, I forget the poet's name, but the line is, I could not love you, dear, loved I not honor more than you. So <laughs> I said that to the person who made me the offer, who <laughs> was a friend That's of- That's so eloquent. As a friend of mine. And That's I a great said, way to respond. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, we're often in this position of, uh, you know, the, there's an, another poem that's- uh, Shelley, I guess. I'm, or, no, I'm not sure who this is. No, take your time. But um, it's it's uh, he's a pilot. He's an Irish pilot, and he has to. He's conscripted into World War One, uh, and the poem goes: "Those whom I defend, I do not love. Those whom I those whom I fight, I do not hate." Because he's he's actually more allied with the Germans than he is with the English yeah. <laughs> for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. and so the same notion is that some, there's times when I the people that I work with I was like oh my god they're so, they're so hard to deal with, and the people that I'm supposed to you know not get along with I actually do get along with them and I like them a lot and it's what you're in this conflict all the time so those kind of that those tensions are at play and exacerbated this uh, overlay of sleep deprivation and and uh, other issues and Stress. blah blah blah. And so that's how we were ending the budget. So my bill, going back to that yeah, issue, <laughs> which passed out of the Senate. Unanimously, it, it, by unanimously. the way. Um, usually there's 30 people so yes. thirty people in the Senate. There's one person missing, missing. but it passed 29 to zero. zero so yeah. one, everyone wanted it. Yeah. Went, went over to the House, and a, I got the appropriations, and it barely got out of appropriations by one vote. Um, so I knew in the politics of things that uh, the reality of it get, making it through the House was, in, you know, in jeopardy. And so I, I decided at that point that I would uh, try to get my bill put into the budget separately because I knew that the governor was supportive of my bill uh, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where we headed. So – but in this process, uh, you know, going back to the two weeks issue and the fact that the Senate's at a tie and the bill is back into the budget. Um, May I ask a question? Yes. How could you get this into the budget if it didn't pass as a bill, though? 
Yeah, it doesn't necessarily. The budget is the a creative the, beast. Yeah, Explain the, it to us. Yeah, the end, <laughs> is the end of the game, uh, and it's a series of bills. There's the the feed bill, and the amount of money you know, there's the monies that are being allocated throughout the state. The state budget that we pass out of the legislature, I think this year was ten point six billion or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not the state budget is actually about thirty five billion and. The rest of that money comes from federal monies, from tax, from uh, fees, and other things. Mm-hmm. All we pass is about ten, uh, a third of that, roughly. And of the ten or so that we pass, about seven or eight of it is already dictated by previous law, by initiatives, by other things like the Medicaid yeah. monies, and it's already all. allocated. It's almost like uh, yeah. when you're going back, you're like, "What makes you know the whole Arizona system go around? We this yeah. needs this, 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 this. So yeah. A lot of it's already allocated. Yeah, and so. In reality, mm-hmm. uh, we're actually talking about three, four billion dollars, which you know is is not chicken feed necessarily, but it's in, in the scheme of the budget, it's 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 not, you know, obviously uh, the majority of it. So, and th- so those are where the variables lie, and uh, that's the, and that's where we argue about, you know, about do we put this into prisons? Do we put this into schools? Do we put this mm-hmm. into transportation? Do we put it into Education. Education, water, health care, where yeah. is this money going to go? And so we debate all those things all during the session. But in the end, the final product is ultimately the budget bill. So some of the things that – and my bill had a, had money attached to is about 750000 which in the scheme of things is, is a nothing. It's a yeah, blip. and it's, it would it's make a, it from when we're talking. It's a rounding error exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> from a budget perspective. And so there's many other bills that are in that same – Vein. So what happens with bills that pass out of one house or the other, sometimes they show up in the appropriations of the other body. And the, whether they pass or not, sometimes they're not even heard. They're just kind of put in a box here over here. And when we're going to do the budget, we go back to the box and say, oh, these things passed unanimously or this barely passed or this didn't pass or whatever. Is, um, is it the same box for both chambers, or does the Senate you know, have its own box? In ultimately, the House? it comes to that. Got yeah, it. But initially, it may be separate. But when it comes to the negotiation of the final product, typically the majority in the House, the majority of the Senate, which means the Republicans in this case, put their budget together, often with zero feedback, zero requests, zero interest from what the Democrats think about anything. So, so there's no like, because uh, I know there's caucuses for each party, but there's not a. I mean, again, this is me dreaming common mm. ground, right? What happens? No, behind, I know there's some behind the scenes stuff, but nothing publicly with both? Like no. having a meeting and discussing that together, almost yeah. like a stakeholder meeting when it's open? No. Got it. No. So All that right. happens mostly behind closed doors. What typically happens is they know they have the votes and then in a way they go. And so they and dictate. It doesn't matter what, in this case, the Democrats think because they have 16 and 30. The magic numbers are 16 Six. in the Senate, 31 in the House, and, and one, the governor. So if they have that and they know they have it, away we go. And we can mm-hmm. scream and yell and pound the table and do anything we can, but mm-hmm. it's, that's all very nice, but that's not going to have any effect in the final product. So mm-hmm. this year, remember, we were talking, and in the Senate we had this 15-15 tie. And so you got to get to 16. 15's not good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's why all the consternation, the back and forth, the, the threats, the attempt to take us away from each other to break us up, say, hey, Mr. Bradley, if you will agree to this, we'll give you this. And if you if you dump Senator Carter and Senator Boyer, and I, mm-hmm. and that's where I came up with my I could not love you, dear love, I not honor more than you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so was this bill in the box? Yes. And so yeah, for time being, yeah. And yeah. then once the budget talks happened, you got, you got that's where in. like fifteen fifteen happened. You know that split. Mm-hmm. And then where are we with the bill then? The bill's still in there. Okay. In negotiation, you know, it's it's it's, it's part of it. Um, as things heat up and there's for frustration coming, people are losing sleep. But judgment's going. Eh, you know, here yeah. we go, uh, Mr. Bradley. You know, what's your what's your story? Why aren't you agreeing to the rest of the budget? And mm-hmm. because there were agreements made with Senator Boyer in particular, we said we can't do that until that is resolved. And so um, there was a statute of limitations on sexual abuse, pr- primarily was his. And he made it clear that he would not vote for the budget until that was dealt with. And so I would like to also tell the public that this was a very, very difficult and and emotional bill. And if you have time, I highly recommend going back um, to azledge.gov. You can actually see all these hearings 
that happen live and hear the testimonials of the people that experience the mm-hmm. you know child sexual abuse and mm-hmm. why they think it's so important to increase the window and it kind of paints a deeper picture on why we almost had two champions say you know what no mm-hmm. we're not going to vote on this we need to get this in the in the budget yeah or the budget won't pass until this is dealt with. Exactly. That's kind of basically, Thank you. yeah, how it was. So, uh, and you know, again, we're talking about people. We're talking about you know maybe uh, good intent. Well, here's an example where the uh, it was difficult to sustain that theory when the majority leader of the House realized that he, they weren't getting anywhere. Suddenly, my bill disappeared. It was pulled out of the budget separately. So that was a message to me personally. This is the bill we were talking yeah, about the, right now, okay? Yeah. Just laying the Community schools now. bill. So. Thank you. Yes. So it was pulled out of the budget completely. Um, and so what? Uh, there was much consternation about that and some other things. Um, the governor, of course, unbeknownst to the majority leader in the House, uh, was supportive of the bill. So the final budget ends up not having in it. However, However, there's a what's called a trailer bill, and there's I have uh, never heard of this. The trailer bill is when, at some level, when we are doing all these budget bills and we realize we've made errors or we've passed stuff that is uh, either contrary to current law or in conflict with the Constitution or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, is this trailer bill which comes to fix some of those things. So lo and behold, (laughs) (laughs) at the bottom of the ninth, on the last night, the last bill in the legislature... Are you serious? Wait, this is true. Like the last night, last last bill. bill. Wow. Comes to the House, Senate first, and it passes out. It It had the community schools back in. It had uh, some money for uh, Boys and Girls Club. I can't remember what the criteria was, but it was in there, mm-hmm. and a few other things. It passes out of the Senate 26 to 4, something like that, or 24 to 6, something like that. Mm-hmm. Goes to the House in their last bill of the night at 2 in the morning. Oh, I'm shaking. I got <laughs> Gets in there, gets put up on the board, and it appears that people misunderstand. In order for a bill to be Dramain, or it has to be somehow connected to um, one of the budget bills. It's called a bridge. You have okay. to have a bridge to it. So the bridge in this case was the money that was being sent to the Rainy Day Fund. Was, the governor demanded all along that he wanted the Rainy Day Fund up to a billion dollars. So we objected to that. We thought, you know, the Rainy Day is for when it's raining. And our thought is it's raining on schools. It's raining on the child welfare system. It's raining on the... Rainy day fund uh, means it's like an emergency fund. fund, Just a backup. For our our listeners. Go ahead. Um, And so we had, you know, long arguments about that. And so to get to the end, in order for this bill to be germane to the budget, it had to have this bridge. So when it went over to the House... That night is the last bill, last thing that happened. It goes up and it gets 56 no's and four yeses. So most of the Democrats, most of the Republicans vote against it. So the, the Republicans vote against what? it because they're upset that this is just more money going out to placate Senator Carter and, no. and other people. The Democrats think that because there's they didn't get briefed uh, quick oh, enough. Oh, no way. <laughs> that... The bill has something to do with the rainy day fund, and they were uh, and we were objecting to the amount of money going to the rainy day fund. So in mass, the bill goes down fifty six to four forty six fifty four to six. Oh my gosh! After all of this, so there is one last hope, and it's called reconsideration. Oh my goodness! (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm on I'm texting the. Um, the leadership on the other side, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a happy person. Um, and, and you're exhausted and, and you're sleep-deprived. So some of those, have some of those like words a... began with an F. And so uh, <laughs> like, what? like, what is that? are you yeah. doing? And blah, yeah. blah, blah, you idiot, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so there's one last attempt to reconsider the majority leader, my friend who pulled this bill out of it, makes an alternative motion to sine die. The sine die is definitive. Sine die means the end of the session. That's mm-hmm. actually Latin for sine die, without day, without. Yes. That's what it means. Um, At the end, so, it was like closing and yeah, closing. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> but yes. it's, get, it's been always referred to as sine die. So he makes the motion to sine die. There's a, a voice vote 
it's accepted and the legislature is shut down. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> so. What? No. So wait, he still didn't put it back on? No. That bill never he passed. He closed session instead. He closed the session <gasps> in the House. And then we had we had Signe died. The Senate had Signe died right after we passed the bill. We, we passed the bill and Signe died. So that means the bill can't be resurrected anywhere. Because it's it, already dead. closed. In so in, it, unlike Congress, this is different than Con- Congress. A bill can stay alive for years. goes from session to session and mm-hmm. you know, it stays alive. In the, in the Arizona legislature, it's Signe died. Everything is dead. Nothing can come back. So in, it, an idea, like my proposal, if I wanted to introduce this again next year, it's going to have a different number. It's going to be a whole new bill mm-hmm. for that legislative session, mm-hmm. and then that's how that proceeds. But so when we when we're done, we're done. That's it. Game over. Nothing can happen. And so that's what happened. Oh my gosh, what a story and so, what an <laughs> what an adventure! And I'm so disappointed with the ending. But it just teaches us about the strategies and different tactics and how things can change in any moment like you yeah. said okay we have a tr- let's use a trailer bill okay we actually got it out of the house and then it's and like <laughs> and then it closes and you're like still stuck there like are you serious yeah. oh my goodness yeah so the senate the session ended uh for me uh, personally and then for some of us in the hang senate, in there hang like, in there dave uh, you you're not kidding? done with your fight you got are another you, year are, are you kidding? <laughs> so, yeah, my my approach next year is probably to, I'm gonna have the, I'm home, I'm trying to get the governor with the help of um, some of his friends mm-hmm. to put it in the the original the budget process starts way the prior to session like September first the departments have to present their request to the governor's office for about the budget what, right what they want in their particular budget so DES and Department of Corrections and mm-hmm. safety and transportation Department and of housing health services. housing health services everybody gotcha. uh, access and so those then they get those requests they process them up in the governor's office in uh, the OSBB it's called office of something budget whatever <laughs> OSBB gotcha. whatever whatever gotcha yeah, I, I remember what that I don't remember to. what it's called uh, either. it's yeah. fine um, it's the budget so, of, uh, the governor's office yeah so it's the governor's office and then the governor on his state of the state gives some clues about what that is going to be in his budget and then mm-hmm. usually the Friday that next Friday the governor's budget is made public mm-hmm. and that's a and that has been produced over the previous six months of all these requests and and if the governor has a certain issue he wants to you know or or address address or he wants money for something special or whatever so that that gets presented and can i give uh, an example to that really quick so for special sessions i believe it was in 2017 or eight when he did a special session for the opioid epidemic and i think that's a good example of when he was like this is a problem yeah i want you to spend this time this money so that's just an example of what that special yeah so he can call um and my very first year back in 2013, we had uh, we got called back. It's called or uh, to special session about seven times, you know, during the course of the year for various things. Wow! And usually, usually it's budget related. I mean, for instance, oh, here, an example of that: say, you know, God forbid, mm-hmm. we had a massive earthquake and mm-hmm. that nobody anticipated because yep. Arizona typically doesn't have big earthquakes. We yeah. have tiny ones, you know, constantly like everybody. But mm-hmm. so let's say it destroys whatever X amount of property, and got so it. we would be called perhaps back in special session to say, hey, we need. We, we, got a, we got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's hundreds of millions of dollars. We got to, you know, so that would be an example of a special session being called to address a specific issue. So in the opiate crisis, the governor called us. It seems weird, but we can be in general session and the governor can say, I want everything to stop and I want, I'm going to call a special session in the general session. And we okay. go and we deal with that topic, whatever that topic is. In this case, it was opiate abuse, opiate mm-hmm. use. Uh, to, Last, not this year, but was it previous year? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. And we spent a week or so, and that was the focus. And mm-hmm. there, you know, it's the same process. Budgets are a bill is presented, hits the committee, goes to appropriations, goes to the floor, mm-hmm. same thing, and then goes over to the other house. Same thing happens. So, and it takes, how do we do that in two weeks? Uh, we can do it. You know, we can do it in a day if we had to. Got it. You know, okay. if we had to. I and mean, again, you know, like in a super duper emergency kind of situation, or you know, tragedy, mm-hmm. or whatever. 
we could do that by waiving. It's called waiving the rules. Typically, there's a three-day process, but we can say because this is an emergency, we're going to waive the rules and we're going to it's going to go. And we're going to here's and, the here's the issue. Here's the bill. Pass the bill. Boom, out of here. And by rules, <laughs> just to, that way that our listeners don't get confused. And this is are we talking about the rules committee or is there like no, a duration of three days? You know, where it passes a, through a, rules? at the beginning of session, if you uh, want to torture yourself and watch us. It's so good. Make popcorn. Uh, just do it. And the first day, <laughs> uh, we accept the rules of the Senate and the rules of the House. The rules actually are a tad different in both houses. Minor things. In the Senate, you have to post agendas 48 hours before the hearing and all oh, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So there's special so rules that are waived. That can be all waived Got in it. an emergency. So that's what happens typically. <laughs> Thank you so much for this amazing descriptive. Yeah. It was. I loved it. If there's, can I can I take us back for the last question? Sure. What recommendations do you have to not just Arizonans, but to people that, you know, may not know their government structure as well, but they have a lot of issues. It's almost like we're in a time where it's difficult to stay positive and Mm -hmm. to not give up and, you know, look for the small wins and kind of just keep going and figuring out how to address things with certain political climate. But what would you tell the greater public about finding common ground and not giving up? Yeah, I think it is difficult. Especially in this day and age, I mean, there's instant assessment and judgment about everybody. You know, it's it's you can make a mistake, you can say the wrong thing, and you will be, you know, in short order, you will be hammered by every other you know, social media, whatever, whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not going to change. You know, there's no way to say, you know, hey, I have an idea, let's stop doing that. That's mm-hmm. probably not going to happen. No. But in terms of what you choose to do and how you behave is always in your hands. It's always you, you know, as a therapist person, you know, I work with people that have had horrible, horrible things happen to them, you know, from abuse to trauma to all kinds of things. You know, I had I ran a program for pregnant teens and I had five girls from five different families who were present. They were in the house. They saw their father kill their mother. They saw it. They saw it. (laughs) And so. Get recovering from that, mm-hmm. you know, that level of trauma is very, very difficult to do. And, and, and I take that extreme example mm-hmm. because, you know, I, and I, if I were to follow the trail of those five girls, some of them were able to do it, some didn't. Some ended up taking their own lives, some, you know, ended up in making a series of bad decisions, ended up in prison, or mm-hmm. ended up in situations that were very, very bad. But nevertheless, yeah. <laughs> and there's the resiliency and the power at some point to say to yourself, so now what do I do? Now what do I do? No matter what it is, no matter how horrible, there's a point where you have to say to yourself, so now what? Am I going to let it control me? Is the next decision I'm going to make going to be a function of that, what happened to me? Or am I going to say, maybe I have, is there another option? So when I hear stuff about, you know, this person's done this and this person, it's easy to get cynical, it's, you know, that, the president has an uncanny ability to set this in motion. It's just very hard to deal with somebody like this who repeatedly does stupid things and says stupid things and to be optimistic about how do we overcome this. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be dictated by it. You can't. You have to say it is what it is. People are going to respond. They're going to respond. Say, but so, what now, now? so now what do I do? So what do I, I do, do to make my this situation in front of me better? Yeah. And, you know, and part of being a human being is, you know, the, the, the key is always relationship. We always function in the context of relationship. There's, you know, you, you don't know there's anything wrong with you unless you're in relationship with other people. That's the only way you find out. <laughs> you know, so the key then is in, in the context of my relationships, in order to improve them, what do I do next? What do I do next? And then that goes out, you know, to one's family. You know, one's community, one's neighborhood, one's city, one's county, one's state, one's country, one's world. All it just follows logically. And where you can you can spend your life in the friggin underground trying to figure out who's evil and who's this and who's that. But that is a dead end. You will keep digging. You maybe you'll come out on the other side of China and things will be okay, but not likely (laughs) come out of the ground. 
look for common ground, look for relationship. How do I improve the relationship in front of, you know, you are in front of me now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, a, in terms of being in a relationship with you, I want to understand you, appreciate where you come from, what, mm-hmm. your, what are your personal goals? How can I help you? You know, what, 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 what's what up? now? What now? What, what now? <laughs> so when you asked me to come, you know, we met in the coffee shop. You asked me to come over here. That was my mentality. It's like, okay, this person is asking me to do something. I have time to do this. I want her to be successful in whatever she's trying to do and to contribute to it. So here I am. <laughs> I'm not Mr. Wonderful by any means. You know, I'm not, you know, and I, I struggle with this myself. I, I obviously I get angry and frustrated and I want to, you know, scream and yell and I want to go back into the underground. But there's part of me that goes, oh, come up, come up, Dave, wake up, come up, <laughs> come to the common ground. <laughs> okay, who, who's here? Who's in front of me? That's what's important. You know, it's being kind. It's being, you know, opening a door for somebody is a way to escape your, that madness, to do something positive and to see how you feel. Instead of waiting to feel better, do something to make yourself feel better. And that's a hard concept to get. If you've watched your father murder your mother, it's an insult for some jerk to come up and say, hey, what's, what's your problem? Why, why can't you, you know, function? Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge that pain, that suffering, that, you know, that impact on the uh, child's brain, all the things we talked about before. If it's, it, it, the goal is to guide that type of you know, extreme situation and say to them at some point, <laughs> let me help you. Let me ha- show you that there is another way, that you're not a victim forever you you don't have to be victimized and repeat this over and over again you can say i'm gonna do something different and what is that and and trying to figure that out so that's a long answer to your question i appreciate it and i will and i I would like to close with saying that you know i've learned through this process and through this podcast and meeting all these amazing people that i do believe that a day will come where we can sit down and listen to each other Mm -hmm. i do yeah. <laughs> and with that, thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening in, ladies and gentlemen. Senator Bradley, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Just in time for a quick recap of today's episode. So we learned that if a bill makes it out of the House or the Senate, they're put in a box. And once the budget process begins, they go through the box to see what passed their appropriations. Just because it made it to the box does not mean it's going to be put into a bill, as we mentioned a blurb from the last episode. At the end of it all, we learned that during the budget process, sleep deprivation plays a big role in levels of stress and communication and can lead to sometimes just dropping the ball. And we also learned that Senator Bradley's philosophy on working with others has to do with holding them at face value, not worrying about the negative behind the meaning of what they say or worrying about a double meeting. No, he says to hold them at face value. We should work with each other. We should help each other. As he mentioned, when someone comes to him and they say they're conservative, he doesn't take it in any negative or positive connotation. He simply says, what are you trying to conserve and how can I help you? And by changing that perspective and creating that frame, we can not only listen to each other, but it allows us to create a dialogue between that. So it immediately creates this area for common ground and this ability to talk back and forth and discuss things because it's coming with the intent of helping. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope that if you learn something from this series, I hope that it empowers you to know the legislative process, when and how to get involved. It should show you that you have the power and the voice and all you have to do is use it. Let's collaborate, let's find common ground, and also let's listen intently, debate intelligently, but most importantly, we need to care endlessly. Thank you everyone for your time. It was such a pleasure to do this project for you. Thank you, bye-bye.